everybody, and welcome to another edition of T Watches a Scary Movie. My name is T, and of course, we're talking scary movies. I appreciate you tuning in for a brand new episode today. Remember, new episodes, the full-length ones, go up Wednesday nights, every Wednesday at 8.30 p.m. Mountain Standard Time on the YouTube page for the video version. That's youtube.com slash C slash Theron Reynolds Scary Movie. And then you can get the audio version on all your favorite podcasting platforms. Now, I do post other reviews throughout the week as well, too, including like Chucky, Killer Camp, Interview with the Vampire, all those kinds of things. So if you want to check those you gotta be subscribed to the youtube page because i'm pretty much only trying to do the main stuff here uh on my main episode so if you're listening in try to subscribe to the youtube page you can always get youtube music just listen that way right works the exact same way uh so what are we getting into tonight well first of all it was announced today uh, i say today I, I i read it the other day it wasn't today or anything like that uh but it was <laughs> excuse me it was announced recently that, and this is big here, this is big, Tobin Bell will be returning to the next Saw movie, tentatively titled as of right now, Saw 10. Saw 10 is on its way here next year, folks, and Kevin Gruder, who directed Saw 6, which is my favorite film in the franchise, as well as Saw 7, which is uh, definitely on the bottom part of a lot of people's in the franchise there, uh, is returning to the director's chair. Now, we don't know any details about the story as of yet. We all know that we got in the last movie of the Saw franchise was Spiral. Basically a bit of a spinoff that was influenced by Saw that told the story of Chris Rock's character, who... Uh, you know, we're not in the 10 year, uh, we're in the 10 year role, so I can't really spoil it that much. But Chris Rock's character is terrorized by a killer who has modeled themselves after the Jigsaw killer, who at this point has been dead for quite some time. Now, here's the thing this franchise has gone all over the place. Let's be real here it has gone all, all over the place with Jigsaw being the main killer and then his many, many uh, apprentices taking it up. There's Hoffman, there's Amanda, and there's even, I forget the dude's name off the top of my head, but the guy that was in Jigsaw. So there's a lot of different killers across this, and even the one that was in Spiral as well too. So we don't really know what Tobin Bell is going to be doing in this next film. If you recall, he died in the third, third film, Saw 3, and after that it kind of just stuck to Cameo Land at that point there, where he had a small part in the role, but it wasn't really a major, major part of the film itself. So Lord knows if that's going to be the case with this film here as well, or if we're going to get some kind of flashback that's going to be set, or uh, not flashback, I'm sorry, movie that's set back before Jigsaw's death so he can play a much larger role. Because at this point, yeah, there's a Bible to the series, but that doesn't mean you can't just add stuff in. Again, that's what Jigsaw did, is that we just added another random apprentice while still trying to tie it in to the rest of the film. So we don't know what's going to happen. We have no idea what's going to happen with it. But Tobin Bell is back after skipping an appearance in Spiral. Uh, and I'm excited to see what could possibly come out of this next appearance. So stay tuned, folks. It is coming out next year. So what are we discussing tonight? We are talking Barbarian. Yes, that's right, Barbarian, folks. Uh, it has finally hit streaming. It is on HBO Max right now. A lot of you got a chance to catch it in theaters a few months ago. I was not one of those lucky few who got a chance to do it. Fortunately, schedule just was a little bit too busy, but I watched it last night, and boy, oh boy. 
first of all, again, we're going to respect the 10-year rule, so we're not going to be spoiling the major parts of this story because you really do, in my opinion, have to go in with your eyes closed, just ready to take in everything that's about to happen in this film. Uh, the story tells of two strangers, Georgie, uh, played by Georgina Campbell and Bill Skarsgård, who uh, show up at the same Airbnb that they both have managed to rent on different platforms, and then they find out that something sinister is going on within this house. Now, that's as much as I can say and probably as much as y'all know right off the back here, but what I will say is that what happened in this film, I was not expecting by a far and wide mile i was blown away by the twist and the uh, revelations that came out as this movie kept going on and on and on and of course justin long who is uh he is a scream queen at this point there uh justin long who is a horror veteran at this point uh shows up in the film as one of our lead characters as well too and i think you know if you've seen justin long when it comes to horror that that really guarantees two certain things about that movie number one most of the time he's playing some kind of asshole because uh as cool as justin long is and he really is i mean if you see him in any other movie he's always playing like the nicest guy in the world um and a guy you'd hang out with like just this really really cool guy that's out there um the thing about justin long is that uh when he does horror films it doesn't really go that way at that point so uh a lot of people will look at justin long in horror films and like kind of have it out for him because that's just the kind of guy he is in these films and i'm pleased to say that uh he keeps that trend going of being a not too likable asshole in this film who's dealing with his own set of problems as something more nefarious continues to happen at this house in detroit michigan now, what I will say is that uh, it, it is really best to walk into this one blind. I don't know if what ends up happening in the film will really reinvent the wheel. It certainly won't. But I will say that there's a lot that gets set up kind of in the early part of this film that's going to lead you one way. And then the movie decides to just go a complete and totally opposite way that there's no way you can expect to come out. Um, the acting really really phenomenal in this uh i i mean we spend we spend a little bit more time with two of these three characters than we do with all three of them and you know there is somebody else who pops up a little a little bit later in the film uh richard brake uh who all you know might know from like 31 or the monsters or uh a lot of rob zombies other films or uh game of thrones even at this point richard brake's a fantastic actor but Again, even he gets saddled a lot of times with playing like the same role in almost every single movie that you see him in. And this one's this one's like in line with some of the other stuff he's done. Uh, it, again, nothing really new for him in the role that he's playing. But what I will say is that um, what his character is involved in, what his character is doing, just downright shocking. Absolutely shocking to say the least. Now, it does end up being a fairly bloody film once you get into it and uh if you manage to hold on that long you do get rewarded with some uh there's some fun kills in this for sure and uh i will say that it, it, it when it wants to get gruesome this film can absolutely get gruesome but it also does a really really good job earlier on setting and building that uh, that feeling of tension and dread to where when you're watching it you just know something absolutely terrible is going to happen and they do such a great job with setting up a different expectation a 
up the way it ends up turning out. I know that I would think I was expecting something far, far different uh, than what it actually ended up being. And I'm so happy about that as well, too, because um, these days you want to be surprised. You really, really do want to be surprised by uh, what ends up coming out of like the horror world. And to think that this is technically a Disney movie as well makes it that more hilarious. I love that Disney can dis uh, help to distribute these kind of films and uh, somehow they just get out there further and further. Now, I think a lot of people, because I've watched uh, I've watched a lot of the Twitter reactions with this movie, um, a lot of the people uh, who have seen this as well, there's a little contingent that said, oh, well, you know, the twist don't live up to what everybody was saying. And I think that depends on where you're kind of setting your expectations of what's going to happen with this movie. Um, because honestly, I think that it could have gone far differently from the way that it honestly did. And that's uh, that's uh, both a missed opportunity but it's also a big success on writer director zach Kreger's part too because i think that if you see what's happening earlier on in the film there's another interesting story uh interesting story to be told to where not that we need a sequel or a prequel or anything but if there were more stories coming from this universe you kind of see that the first part of this movie could possibly follow into what's set up before uh the movie completely turned on its head a little bit later so that's very interesting to think about and i will say that as much as i did enjoy the film the second part of it didn't quite live up to the first part of it i'm not saying it wasn't good it was it was incredible i really really enjoyed the film and it actually ranked quite high on my ongoing list of films that i've seen this year released in 2022 that are all horror it's definitely up there pretty high but um i think that after we got uh, after the movie took its unexpected turn uh, its unexpected turn like that reveal was insane but i don't know if i feel it li it lived it up to like that reveal as the movie kept on going again there was definitely parts i was shocked in it and it's gruesome absolutely gruesome for sure but i don't know i don't know if that's if that's necessarily enough to uh enough to say that the whole movie like ends up being like a 10 or a 9 or anything i'd probably say it's like a strong like 8 honestly if we're gonna rank that but you know i don't do the number rankings or anything like that at all um with that uh again uh georgina campbell who is uh absolutely our lead character of the film or at least one of our lead character puts in a fan, uh, fantastic performance you might remember her uh she did an episode of black mirror and i can't recall the episode but it was the one where everybody's on the dating apps and like you're matched up for like that uh for a certain amount of time and uh she ends up meeting a guy at the beginning of the episode and they're they're connecting really really well but they only have they only get the match for a short period of time and then when they match up again it ends up getting wrecked and it's this whole thing watch it black mirror is amazing uh but georgina campbell uh does a phenomenal job in the role and she helps to really set up a lot of the tension that's happening in the earlier part of this film and that's not to say that bill skarsgård doesn't i think a lot of people obviously are going to recall bill skarsgård uh skarsgård's role from um from it playing pennywise the clown obviously and this is obviously a much much different role for him to be taking on especially if you don't watch a lot of other movies that he's been featured in but he actually does a really good job with it as well too because a lot of times uh in the first part of this film there's a lot that gets set up to where you know we might think that something's wrong with his character because remember him and georgina campbell are are, are in the same uh, rental location at the same time you know it got messed up 
and we're trying to figure out if the problem is going to be one of the two of them. And obviously, I think we're we're uh, we're conditioned to think that yeah, it's going to be Bill Skarsgård. He's going to be the problem with this. But then things start popping up that start suggesting, well, what if Georgina Campbell's character is ultimately the the going to be the problem of this film as well? And I just love the way they play off that tension uh, between the two because at times it's friendly, at times it's almost romantic, and then at times uh, it definitely gets terrifying too. So uh, I can't say that much more about it because this is unfortunately a film that lives or dies by the, uh, the, the big turn that it does. You know, a little, a little less than halfway through the film. You really do need to check it out to enjoy it and experience for yourself. So let me know in the comments. What did you think of the twist of the film? What did you think of our actors in it? Uh, and what would you do if you end up occupying an Airbnb with the same person? I want to hear from y'all. Tell me in those comments. Uh, yeah, that was Barbarian on HBO Max right now. All right. And the next film that we're going to be talking today is VHS 99. Yes, the next film in the uh, now five films deep VHS saga, which is kind of crazy to think about because VHS at this point has been around for a while and it's anthology horror that is still, still at like this top level you know um when the 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 first couple of films were coming out and they were just you know direct to direct to disc and uh direct to streaming things like that even before streaming was really getting its its footing in um these were tales that people in the horror community absolutely love but they weren't necessarily so mainstream and then viral came out and the reaction to viral wasn't as strong as the previous ones, but the idea was set was that there was going to be some kind of story that contributed to all these tales that we were seeing. So we were getting, you know, four or five different stories across this entire uh, th this entire film, with there then being this other story that was kind of tying everything back together. And a lot of people definitely thought that the third film, VHS Viral, wasn't as strong. And that actually brought us to the next film, VHS 94, which came out last year, uh, released on Shudder. And we were told that we were getting another film in the franchise, VHS 99, that got me excited. Because as much as I do enjoy uh, the first three VHS films, like, yeah, like everybody will tell you, there's good segments in them. There's bad segments in them all as well, too. None of them are perfect by any means. VHS 94 um, definitely seemed a little bit on the lacking side to where there, this was definitely, in my, in my opinion, and not in a bad way, definitely seemed a little bit more of the lopsided of the three. And I say that again a year later. Um, you can check out my original review, which I'll have the link up here for you. But, you know, watching it a year later, it did seem a little lopsided where there were stories in it that were absolutely phenomenal, absolutely excellent, but then other ones that just kind of drugged their feet on things. And... The premise of 99, just knowing it's set in 1999, was more than enough for me because uh, 1999 is such an amazing year. I mean, if y'all know me, I absolutely love the 90s and more more spe uh, specified, the late 90s. 1999 was such a big year for, uh, for everything in pop culture, especially as we're coming up on the new millennium at that point, that I think that taking that year and focusing this movie at that time was a stroke of genius. And with that, we get five new tales, which I was pleased to see that all of them, all of them were actually so much 
fun. Uh, we had shredding that told the tale of this group of punks, basically, who were in a band who are going to go and uh, film like their new music video, their new performance of the band that they're in, in this uh, abandon, uh, abandon asylum, I believe it was, um, or uh, where um, a former punk band uh, called Bitch Cat performed and unfortunately were tragically trampled to death by their fans after a fire broke out. And I'm sure you can imagine the place is haunted uh, and rumored to be haunted by the vengeful ghost of Bitch Cat. And this new uh, this group Rack, uh, unfortunately, makes the mistake of uh, angering their vengeful, vengeful spirits. Now, the best thing about this shredding is that uh, number one, it starts off with all these old school like skate videos, like these skating prank videos from like the late '90s that I think a lot of us would probably remember as well too. Because even if you weren't like a skater or anything, like those are kind of like funny as hell videos to go back and watch. Like I remember just because of Tony Hawk's Pro Skater, they used to like have all like the bail videos in there all the time. So when you play Tony Hawk, like they'd have like that as an extra feature where you could watch all these gnarly wipeouts and shredding kind of takes you back to that day to where you feel like man i'm a kid again getting to see like all these skaters wipe out and have fun and all these like gruesome injuries that are happening and i think that was a stroke of genius and then it goes a step further because bitch cats music is actually phenomenal and again it's like a throwback to like late 90s punk alternative rock which is so so good to where man get a bitch cat like album out there uh maggie levin who wrote and directed this segment let's please 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 get a bitch cat album out there because they fucking rock um but uh, it was kind of uh, uh, kind of a bit of a bummer because the thing about vhs is that as much as you like the stories they're so short so like they have to get through so much in a quick period of time it's like damn it you really would love to get a full-length movie out of these things but needless to say uh they get right to it in shredding and this band goes through a horrible, horrible, horrible night that they will never soon forget while producing this music video. We had Suicide Bid, about a college freshman that's looking to join a, uh, a sorority on her campus and is told a, a gruesome tale of a previous pledge who had to go through the same trial. And let's face it, hazing, because hazing was still a big thing back in the 90s and early 2000s. Not really a big, big thing these days, apparently, but that was the thing back then. There was all these movies that were made back uh, from the 70s on about how hazing works in college. And, you know, this one is a more gruesome tale about a girl who was forced to uh, stay in a coffin for an extended period of time, but her sorority sisters forgot that she was there. And so she eventually slumped down to the underworld and apparently terrorizes anybody that comes across this cemetery. And in order for this college freshman, Lily, to be a part of this sorority, she has to do the same thing. She has to spend an, a night in a coffin. If she makes it through, she'll make it to the sorority. Now, uh, we know right off the jump there that this freshman's obviously set up as our sympathetic character, but when she gets locked in, we see all these terrible things start to unwind, including having to deal with uh, a little bit of arachnophobia, which if you're like me, ugh, didn't want to deal with anything like that in the least bit. And then having the, uh, the ultimate, ultimate scariest thing happen, which is uh, what if you actually did get buried alive and we've seen plenty of films and stories about folks getting buried alive before one of my absolute favorites uh ryan reynolds is buried 
<laughs> um, kind of like get your throwback, like what would you do in that situation? And uh, things take an unfortunate twist for our college freshman that gets locked in this coffin. Now, uh, Suicide Bid was written and directed by, most recently, Resident Evil, Welcome to uh, Raccoon Cities, Johan, Johans Roberts. Um, so you can kind of see a bit of his style of scares into this. Obviously, he did uh, 48 Meters Down as well, too. And he has a very distinct style, I feel, when it comes to the horror that he puts out there. And you kind of feel it with the like the shots that he does and especially the scares that pop up in this like there's not much in the way of jump scares and that's okay because the entire tale as a whole just has this looming sense of, of like of horror right all over it and it's an excellent excellent tale at that but again it's another one that could have been served by man just give it 20 more minutes and i know they can't but I would love if there is a physical Blu-ray of this, which 94 got like the VHS copy. I actually have a VHS copy over there, a VHS 94. It would be cool if like anytime they film these, they cut it down to like, you know, the 25 minute segment or so. But then there's like a 45 minute extended version on it. That would be so cool to see with that. Um, we got Ozzy's Dungeon, which was written and directed by Zoe Cooper and Flying Lotus. Um, about uh, this kid show, very reminiscent of Double Dare and, of course, Legends of the Hidden Temple about these kids who go through this game show. And the point is at the very end, if they make it through this obstacle course, they get their, uh, their, their biggest wish granted by Ozzy. And we get to see how gruesome this show was and how unsafe it was, which again, throws back to a lot of kids show of the 90s to where sometimes they seem like they're the most amount of fun. But other times you kind of see what the kids go through. And it's like, my God, we really let kids do that back in the 90s. And this takes it up to a 10. And uh, of course, it's absolutely fantastic because the host of Ozzy's Dungeon is Stephen Ogg, who you might know from uh, things like The Walking Dead or Grand Theft Auto V or uh, Snowpiercer, who's just a phenomenal, phenomenal actor. And uh, ultimately, we find out that like a lot of these game shows back in the 90s, uh, in case you didn't know here, that not everybody could win because they would usually film, you know, a season or two just in the time span of just a few days. And there's only an allotment, a certain allotment of cash they can use for prizes. And of course, when one contestant doesn't win, her family decides to take matters into their own hands. Now, this one, not so much in the scare, uh, the scares like the other stories that, that we've seen so far with this either, but it sets up kind of like a bit of like a hostile saw kind of environment with it, which is really where most of the scares in this one's coming. And it's effective, but it's also really funny because, you know, we know we would love to see some of these hosts have to go through the same things that these kids had to go through on these shows. Like, how would they actually manage to go through it if they ended up putting, um, uh, was it Kurt Fogg? On, uh, on Legend of the Hidden Temple. What if he had to go through the whole uh, the whole dungeon? I'd love to see what would happen with that. Uh, uh, then we have the Gawkers, which was uh, written by Chris, Hill, Chris Lee Hill and Tyler uh, McIntyre and directed by Tyler McIntyre about a group of boys uh, who are uh, who make these stop motion videos of toy soldiers. Um, and then what we find out here is that uh, they find a next door neighbor who's moved in, who's absolutely gorgeous. And this being the 90s and the rise of uh, or the starting the rise of things like webcams and things like that. The younger brother gets hired to install a webcam for the next door neighbor. And of course, these boys decide to try to exploit that with terrifying results. Now. This one reminded me a lot of uh, I don't I I think it was VHS the first one about the um, 
oh god what is it called uh not the pixie uh the uh harpy harpy right uh about the uh the girl who goes back with the guys and they're trying to film everything and then it turns out she's a monster that tries to kill them all which i know is spoiling a lot of this right already i'm not trying to spoil it let's just say this one takes a much different twist and in the time since vhs1 to now we can definitely see again more improvements in technology even though all of this is supposed to be shot like it is back in the 90s we can see how the technology has improved as the design of this monster in this uh in this particular segment just fantastic a uh, little little cgi of course in there but it's still just a fantastic look for it and our last one which was written and directed by Vanessa and Joseph Winter, who, if you know those names, we just got done talking Deadstream the other day, a fantastic haunted house horror movie that just released here on Shudder. They come in to direct this last segment about a group of witches who are looking to, uh, to, to rise a demon from hell in order to get their fondest desires. And the camera crew that's filming it, unfortunately, get dragged into hell when the wrong demon is summoned. And it's about them trying to escape from hell and get back to earth before their time runs out now what makes this one so interesting is that it's not really about the demon that's being raised like the, the this segment is really more so about what hell looks like and how these two guys who are best friends but they're bickering they're fighting they're dealing with literal hell going around them at all times are now completely screwed having to uh try to find their way out of hell before their portal closes and they're stuck in there for all eternity um fantastic segment fantastic depiction of uh of what hell looks like as well too and i love the fact that uh melanie stone who played our uh who played our villain uh in uh in deadstream returns as the boy's helpful guy in hell and joseph winter is playing troy one of our cameramen who again played sean in uh, deadstream as well and like joseph winter has like that distinct voice that it's almost like, man, this could definitely be Sean in a different lifetime, which it kind of is. Um, but they do so good. Like this found footage horror that this one, uh, while it does get like insane at times, is probably the most fun, I feel, out of all the segments that are on there. Um, Joseph, Joseph Winter and Vanessa Winter are fantastic filmmakers. And now I feel like I have to go and seek out everything that they've done because between this and Deadstream, I'm hooked. Those guys are absolutely phenomenal with it. Um, VHS 99, fantastic addition to the VHS franchise. It's absolutely fantastic. The way that they shoot it puts it spot on with things that are going in into the 90s. It's very easy to immerse yourself. And if you're a 90s kid like me, you're going to feel right at home watching this. And we already have another sequel announced. They're already making, they already made, excuse me, another VHS film that's going to be coming next year so shutter keep that up and matter of fact just make a tv show out of it at this point there don't we don't have to get a movie every year give a couple directors you know one a one hour episode every week 30 minutes a piece at that point and let's just crank out like an eight episode season because man at this point vhs is here to stay as long as the good reviews keep coming in we're gonna get more so you can check that one out right now on shutter folks don't miss it vhs 99 Hey everybody, I appreciate you checking out this video, whether it was a review, whether it was a new episode, whether it was an unboxing, an interview, or whatever else. I want to remind you, you can check out my separate reviews also on my YouTube page, and new full episodes go up every Wednesday night on YouTube at 8.30pm Mountain Standard Time, and on your favorite podcasting platforms at 8pm Mountain Standard Time. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button, like and share. My name is T, 
We've been talking scary movies. Stay scared.